Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with... Whoa, what was that loud, loud noise? Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How you doing, man? Hey, David. That must have been my chair that did that. I'm kind of still shifting and moving a little bit. I'll try and stay still. I was pretty calm for most of the game. Never in doubt, really, was it? No, it wasn't, because <laughs> how many times did we see this last year where the Oilers are um, they're way down and they come back? You almost expect it now. And, and you know, it's, it's not that surprising you would expect it, because they have this unbelievable talent on the team in McDavid and Dreisaitl in their absolute prime. And now they've surrounded a Bruce with some really good players. This is this is a, a fine hockey team. And we saw it tonight in their 5-3 victory over the Canucks. The Canucks got the first three goals, and the Oilers stormed back and got the next five. And by the third period, the game wasn't that close. The Oilers were pretty dominant um, in the third period. The Canucks were pretty dominant in the first, of course. So I think overall, um, the overall, the shots were 36-25 for Vancouver. But... When it came to the most dangerous shots, the Oilers had a slight edge. They had, um, it was 18 to 15 for grade A shots in Edmonton's favor. And grade A shots have, um, on average, about 25% chance of going in. And when you break out from the, those grade A shots, the five alarm shots, the teams had 10 each. And those shots have about a 30% plus chance of going in. So um, on the most dangerous chances, uh, the teams were equal and um, the orders just uh, had better finishing and uh, slightly better goaltending. So Bruce, we're going to do our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. So um, let's start it off uh, with your, with your first good thing. Okay. We're going to do two good things each because of the importance of the, the <clears throat> in the, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to go. Uh, I was going to have a strong focus on pen, on uh, special teams here tonight, but because uh, they were the difference in this game. Uh, Vancouver had a man advantage for 12 minutes and 15 seconds uh, and scored once and allowed one. Edmonton had the man advantage for one minute and 49 seconds and scored three times. And I mean, one was an empty netter, but still. Uh, the uh, so I'll start with the uh, uh, well I'll start with the penalty kills since they seem to be out there an awful lot uh, and they needed to be good with uh, uh, Edmonton players beating a steady path to the penalty box McDavid cross-checking Pugliarvi holding Nurse interference Nugent Hopkins tripping team too many men McDavid tripping Drysaddle interference Kane interference on goalie Eight penalties, all solo penalties in that game on the Oilers. And they got away with one or two, one in particular, which I think you'll mention. Uh, but so they kept having to kill the penalties, and the penalty killing was not uh, perfect by any means. <coughs> they, had, they had trouble at times getting hold of the puck and uh, clearing the zone okay. And uh, sometimes clearing it far enough to make a decent line change. They got caught a couple of times on the line changes. Um but they did allow in those, uh, uh, what was it, 12 minutes, 11 shots for uh, Vancouver on the power play. Uh, uh, but I'll make the point that Jack Campbell was one of the penalty killers, and I thought he had a pretty strong 
uh, showing, especially on the PK. Uh, uh, he had uh, he had a lot of work to do, and he cleaned it up uh, for the most part. The one he was beaten on was a ridiculously easy backdoor tap in that you blame on the goalie basically never. Uh, and otherwise, uh, he slammed the door hard. And to the penalty kills uh, credit, they did respond with one shot on goal on the, of their own, but it was a devastating one-timer by Darnell Nurse that tied the game 3-3 three, three, uh, in the last minute of the second period. And if there's goals that are going to kill a team, it's a goal against in the last minute of a period, especially a tying goal where they've had the lead. And any shorthanded goal, when you combine all of them on one play where uh, uh, Nurse started it with a very good defensive stick in his own zone, he chipped it to dry saddle, and then he just jumped up and into the rush. And I think it was even a three-on-one, uh, but Leon held the puck for the right time and simply fed it across ice, and Nurse slammed it home. And that was it one of the key turning points in this game. I thought when they got it to 3-3, I thought uh, uh, Vancouver was on the back foot for much of the third period. And I thought the penalty kill still had a couple uh, couple more penalties to, uh, to kill off. Although, thankfully, the two they had in the third period were both short ones because Vancouver followed by taking a kind of undisciplined penalty of their own on each of those. Uh, power plays Vancouver took a uh, high sticking penalty so uh, that helped the uh, the shorthanded unit but still that unit came through with a big game splitting the goals one to one when uh, facing eight shorthanded situations so uh, uh, nice job penalty kill or certainly nice results penalty kill like I say I don't I think the process this is one of those games the coaches are going to find plenty in the game film well process yeah process issues, things that weren't quite done right. I suspect there will be uh, uh, a few uh, uh, specially designed drills for cutting out cross-ice passes and uh, and so on. But uh, uh, in the end, I got the job done, so that's one of my good things. 18 uh, grade-A shots for the orders and 15 for the Canucks. Like, that's a lot of grade-A shots in a game. That late penalty was uh, some good hustle by um, Derek Ryan. Uh, getting up, getting, you know, fighting up the ice, and he eventually got a shot off there. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, the shorthanded goal by Nurse. He had been having kind of a rough game up and up until then, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but um, mm-hmm. he really redeemed himself in that moment. But Dreisaitl's pass was just such a fantastic pass. Just, you know, just this stabbing it across the ice under the, you know, under the guy's stick. Um, right along the ice and right to Nurse, just set him up beautifully. Dry settles passing is just a thing of beauty, and and he uh, he had a great uh, he had a great game. Um, I thought the Oilers. My first good thing, Bruce. Um, I thought the Oilers' best player on the night was uh, was Zach Hyman, and um, he was the only re- Oiler in in a lot of ways who came out to really play in the first period. And he made the, the the first good play of, like, the Oilers were kind of comatose at the start of the game. And the first um, good play of the game was him on the penalty kill. And he kind of yes. got, he dove for the puck and swiped that out of their zone. It was the first hustle play. It was the first time the Oilers actually got something that went their way in the game. They got a yeah. little bit of momentum out of that. Um, a moment later, um, 
uh, he stole the puck in the offensive zone and he goes down and he gets a, 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 a the first grade a shot of the season on net. And the play then progressed with him uh, passing the puck to Puliyarvi, yes, a Puliyarvi, in the slot for what would have been a very nice goal. I was hoping so much that Puliyarvi would score. It was a tough game for Puliyarvi. Didn't get a lot of ice time, just 12, a uh, little over 12 minutes, maybe close to 13 minutes. Because there were so many uh, penalties for both teams, and there's yeah. so much, well, there's so much, so much special teams play. And um, so he didn't get on the ice a lot, but um, he came close to scoring there off this fantastic feat from Hyman. Um, he did pound it on net. He just couldn't get it upstairs. <clears throat> and it was a very good save by Thatcher Demko. Yeah. So uh, Hyman then in the second period, he was part of that tabletop, tabletop hockey goal on the power play, which is one of the finest goals I've ever seen on a power play. <laughs> I mean... Nuge down to Hyman. Then we see the famous Hyman maneuver where he's at the side of the net and he whips it out front. Like he, he's constantly doing that, often between his legs, um, to dry settle in the slot. Who whips it over to McDavid? And and the passing play was probably like a, a second, maybe two yeah. seconds. It was so fast, oh. just bang, bang, bang. And it had that tabletop hockey quality, where if you play that game, you know, like the whole idea of that game is to. You know, the winger goes down and, and puts the puck in the middle for the center and you slam it home with the center. That's how you score most of your goals in tabletop hockey. That's exactly what that was. That kind of um, rapid, dangerous passing. And finally, the McDavid slamming home, home the goal. Then on the fourth goal, Hyman um, wins the puck in his own zone and he battles it all the way up the ice, yeah. takes it to the middle of the ice and sets up McDavid, who, who moves into the slot for two um five alarm shots and puts in the second one. He was tremendous, Zach Hyman. And um, tremendous all last year. He's he's uh, so far at least, uh, what is it, a seven-year contract? So he's at the second year of his seven-year contract. But so far, he's been he's been just great. He's been a great Edmonton Oiler, and he's a joy to watch. His effort is there almost every single night, and, and there was great results um, for him as well tonight. Yeah, well, he chipped in five minutes and 20 seconds on the penalty kill. Uh, yeah. Hyman did. And uh, he, uh, uh, but he made, uh, uh, he was part of that great power play goal. Uh, he was part, a big part of the game winner, as you say, where he, he battled the puck up the ice. He uh, dished it off to McDavid. McDavid touched it back to him. And uh, again, he, uh, uh, he drove it deep in, deeper into the zone and then fed McDavid in the slot for the took two shots uh, for him to bury it with uh, five minutes to go and the game still tied 3-3. So he really did contribute on all three game states, Hyman. And uh, um, he was uh, one of the few, it seemed, of the star players who stayed out of the penalty box himself. So he was at least available to kill all of these penalties. Yeah, even Nuge got a penalty. Yeah, and his, you know, his stat line doesn't look like much. Two shots, one hit, uh, a couple of block shots. That's nice. Um, but uh, he did a lot of his work uh, where it wasn't sort of directly going toward goal, but he was either controlling it along the boards or he tying it up along the boards or, or uh, 
uh, digging it out for someone else to do something with it. And uh, I agree that he had a very strong game, even as he was not recognized as one of the game stars, which went to McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Campbell. And a pretty good case can be made for those guys as well. Yeah, yeah, you could. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's... I think I would have had Hyman. I thought he was the best player mm-hmm. for the Oilers. Um, McDavid's game was very effective in the end, but he had a pretty slow start. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't really ever hit his top gear in that game. Still got three goals, so there you go. Um, he did, and Hyman did and he still nearly assists. dangled through everybody a couple <clears throat> of times. Man, oh, man. Yeah. It's a couple of, couple of plays where he can control the puck in, in traffic. That's just amazing to watch. Two assists for Hyman. So that was the mm-hmm. one yes. that does stand yep. out. Bruce, um, what is your second? You're going to go with the power play, as you mentioned, for your second. Good thing. Sorry, I, I, I described one of the power play goals already, that's but um, go ahead. The, you described the best one, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We'll let that go. Uh, the right. first, the, the, yeah, I mean, the, the power play was just brutally efficient. I mean, Vancouver took a penalty at 354, uh, and the order scored at 412. And it was a little bit of a lucky goal. Uh, McDavid drove the puck into the goal crease area and there was a huge pileup in front and there's three or four guys whacking away at it. I'm not sure anybody ever got a shot. And then the puck went uh, into the corner and a centering pass came through the slot and it kind of just bounced over to the side where Dreisaitl was and he just pounded it in. But they that was to sort of follow up on the chaos that they'd already com- created earlier in the power play. 18 seconds it took, took him to score that time. Uh, the second power play goal, it took him, was it uh, 13.55 was the penalty, 14.01 was the goal, six seconds, and that was Leon wins the draw, Connor chips it back to the point, Barry finds McDa- uh, Nugent Hopkins uh, on the wing, and these were all sort of road plays to set it up, and then from Nugent Hopkins it goes uh, Hyman, Drysaddle, McDaniel, McDavid to net as you described and one of the best ways to appreciate that goal if you if you are one who like me who records the games and likes to look at them again listen to it listen to the puck just go click 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 and it says four clicks faster than I can even say the word click apparently <laughs> and it was in the net uh, just I'd say under a second for the three passes from Nugent Hopkins stick to Hyman's to Dreisaitl's and Leon I mean He's got eyes in his in his ears to see McDavid because he was looking this way and McDavid was over there and he put it right on his tape, just no hesitation, one touch pass over, bam, and that, that was beautiful to watch. Then the third period they had a 15 second. This was their one failed power play on a the night they went three for four and it was a 15 second power play because they'd they'd taken a penalty and Vancouver took one 15 seconds later. And even in that time, they came very, very close. Leon, this time, made a great backhand feed to Vander Kane at the edge of the crease. And Demko made what I thought was his best save of the entire game to uh, uh, at least get one recorded successful kill for Vancouver. And then finally, at the end of the game, it was Edmonton that was on the power play. When the goalie, uh, goalie was out and Vancouver pulled him to make it five on five and course the Oilers made fairly short work of that but that was actually the longest power play time that they had in the entire game 
Uh, <laughs> it took them to score in the empty net, but uh, uh, the power play, uh, three for four on the night, uh, five shots on net, three of them went in the net, and they were all basically open net, slam it into the open net from close range with the last one there literally being no goalie, but and the other two, the goalie was out of the play because of the movement of the puck. So fantastic work by uh, by that special unit. All right. Um, my second good thing is going to be, um, it's going to be Jack Campbell. Although he mm-hmm. did let in, um, I didn't like the JT Miller goal. I thought he should have had that. Yeah. It was from far enough out. We've seen enough of these shots um, from the dot. NHL goalies make that save all the time. And they, you know, that's, those shots go in about 10% of the time, if that. And, you know, Miller made a nice shot. But Campbell should have had that one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and maybe the first goal, um, Elias Peterson on the the Holloway turnover. Um, maybe he should have had that, maybe, but I, I didn't dock him on that one. I, th- I thought that was a really tough play because there's, you know, it's a two on one, and he's got to be cognizant of the guy coming down from the slot, as as did Ryan Murray, who's trying to make the play. But other than that, he, Campbell was fantastic. Um, he just made big save, and you you mentioned his work on the PK Bruce. He just made big save after big save, like a, a number of kind of break in, break away, one timer shots. Peterson ramming the puck at net on, on one-timer shots, Kuzmenko breakaway, Pearson breaking in hard, Miller breakaway. Um, then he thwarts a potential breakaway in the third by coming out to play the puck. In the third, the Canucks were pretty much spent and they didn't have a lot going on. But he really, his goaltending um, was a huge difference in that game. And I'm just going to bump up his grade to an eight here. I got him as a seven, but I just, just talking about it now, even though he, he did wasn't that he, that was a great game because yeah, that was still a great game because he shut them down when he needed to shut them down and he got his team back in the game because of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to just have a little bit of um, amnesia on that bad goal that he let. Yeah, well, I'd make the case that, that on that second goal was the time they needed to <clears> shut him down. When they made it 2 nothing so quick on the fir- after the first one, which was, you know, a, a horrendous rookie mistake uh, by Dylan Holloway on his first regular season shift in the NHL, which couldn't have gone a lot more worse <laughs> poor than God, Poor kid. And, uh, and that basically hung everybody out to dry. But then the Miller goal coming so quickly thereafter, you really like a save there. You sure um, what you say, he did slam the door and especially in a, in a similar situation like uh, he had no chance on the Kuzmenko who had a really good game goal that made it three nothing but right off the subsequent faceoff again a situation where you got to have a save and this time he did deliver it was right off the faceoff Vancouver won the draw bam breakaway like hello yeah. defense wake the hell up yeah like, uh, you know and JT Miller, only that guy, you know, it's led Vancouver in scoring, I think, two of the last three years. And uh, uh, Campbell got the better of him on that. And then he just built a wall on the net for the rest of the night. And there was a couple of plays where we were kind of discussing, was that a grade A shot or not, uh, where the Vancouver moved the puck around. And they got one timers and Campbell was already there and waiting for the shot. 
and they let it go and it's yeah. movement across the crease on you know anticipating and getting over and being you know well positioned because they didn't miss with those one timers at least the, you know they, they missed a couple but the, there was a, a couple where they uh, they hammered them on goal and you know inside the near side post and Campbell was over there and waiting so generally positive uh, generally positive on uh, Campbell for sure a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of good saves and not an easy night's work there was a lot of traffic around uh, Oilers net and uh, a lot of times where his defenders were getting beat uh, for deflections or on you know passes near the net. So. Horvat uh, Horvat missed that one time where I was so glad that he missed that one because that was a wide open shot. But uh, the one that sticks out in my mind in on his positioning, Bruce was um, can't remember what period it was, but Elias Peterson got a one timer and, and it was and it was um, Campbell was so fast in getting over and read that so well that you thought, oh, is, is that a as you say, was that a grade A shot at all because yeah. he was in position to stop it? But that shot by Peterson is probably going to go in one third of the time. Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic shot. He just bl- blistered it right away at net on the power play on a one timer from um, kind of just above the dot. And you know that we know from experience now, from from years of watching that that kind of shot, um, whoever can take them if they can get them off well, you know those shots go in. 30% of the time plus, you know, dry saddle hits him in at about 35% of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, great save by, by Jack Campbell. He's good with the puck. He makes good decisions. Um, you know, so good first impression for him. And I'm, I'm also bumping up, I'm up to the eight because, you know, as a first game oiler, you, you have to uh, give players the benefit of the doubt. And I gave Holloway a four for instance, this, for instance, in this game which was a little bit charitable because he, he did make a couple of good plays after that mm-hmm. mistake. He, he didn't get on the ice much to, to do things, which was a little bit disappointing. I thought they maybe um, reined him in a little too fast there, although that was a pretty rough mistake um, on your... He four hits and two shots in his eight minutes. There you go. But uh, two giveaways, and one of them was pretty brutal. At, you know, brutal. Yeah. Right Are we... Okay, bad things, Bruce. Yeah, uh, mine's kind of an amalgam of, I mean, it's a bad start to the game and, and the bad defensive zone coverage that was part of that bad start where it seemed like Vancouver had the puck on the, on a string and Edmonton was a day late and a dollar short uh, getting in the lanes, getting sticks in the lanes or or uh, players in the lanes. And, and uh, it just seemed like Vancouver was, taking it to Edmonton pretty hard. And I would say it's possible. My my wife watching the game said, you know, that ceremony they had for Ben Stelter at the beginning, she thought that would be something that would have a bigger effect on the Oilers than it would on the Canucks. And, and then five minutes that followed, it certainly seemed that uh, she was spot on in that observation. Uh, but we're only judging on what we see in the play. And I mean, they they just weren't quite, quite uh, ready to roll off the start and I thought the D-men had 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 a pretty rough night now Evan Bouchard I thought he was brutal for about half the game and then he yeah was pretty good after that yeah and the pairing of um uh Tyson Berry uh with um uh, Brett Kulak well when they were on the ice which was for uh about 14 minutes 
Uh, well, actually, 11 minutes for Kulak, and the orders were outshot 12 to 1 Ooh. when they were out there. They were really, you know, they were playing chase with the puck in their own zone to the point where they never had it enough to make anything happen going the other way. So, you know, Barry did have some involvement in the power play, and uh, Kulak had some in the penalty kill, but I thought that uh, that pairing had a pretty tough night. Um but yeah, was, you could point to plays. I think of all six defensemen where they got they got beat, and sometimes the, the coverage from the forwards wasn't great either. So rather than single out a player for the specific bad thing, I'm just going to say this was a a team fail, especially in the early going of the game, and it did get better as the game uh, as the game went along. You know, uh, Barry and Kulak were out there for a lot of shots against, but we're not we didn't have them making major mistakes on any grade A shots against yeah. either of them. Okay. So so they limited the damage to generally outside shots, Bruce. I will say that about it. And I thought Kulak looked good. Yeah. Um, I thought he skated well and moved the puck well. I, I didn't think Barry was particularly sharp. You know, the, the, the D-man that I liked, and I hadn't watched him in the preseason because I was away on holidays, was Ryan Murray. And I thought as he as the game went along, he he and Bouchard really picked it up. They were slow at the start and they gave up some big chances at the start. But um, Murray really impressed me with his heady play, his passing. Um, he made that one incredible between the legs deke, yeah, into the slot and got off a, a, a dangerous backhand shot. And always set him up on that play, right? That, that was, was a nice play by. Yeah. It sure, surely was. So Ryan Murray really impressed me in that game, and Cody Cece I thought was was really solid um, throughout. But yeah, there was there was no shortage of sequences of pain in that first period, Bruce. It was a tough period to watch. Um, the Oilers were asleep for a lot of it. My bad thing came right at the end of that first period. The Oilers were already down two to nothing, and Darnell Nurse, who had had a not a great first period himself, um, decided right at the end of the period to run a guy. Uh, Kyle Burroughs, I think is his name, and um, took a penalty. And it just struck me that it was a completely unnecessary penalty taken out of frustration and um, terrible timing. And the Canucks scored on the power play, make it 3 nothing to make it all worse at, at the start of the second period. So just to end off a really rancid first period from the Oilers, he took a really rancid penalty, a bad decision. He's a team leader. Um, he can't let his temper get the best of him. I and you know I understand you want to you know pump up your team with the big hit. Well, make it a legal hit, you know, because because you can't take a penalty. You really can't. And the Oilers were lucky to win that game um, after that third Vancouver goal went in, frankly, and that was on Nurse. So Kane mashed the guy first in the corner and then Darnell came in right after him and it was, you know, it was a clean check except for the puck was gone and the ref had no choice, I think, but to call yeah. that one. Darnell didn't like the call, but uh, uh, the funny thing is that Anthony Stewart on the on the Sportsnet broadcast, he singled out that play as being a turning point for the Oilers as being a, said they needed something to wake him up and they needed, you know, someone to show a little bit of... Uh, uh, pissed offness, I guess, at how the first period had gone, a little bit of aggressiveness, and you know, started to take the initiative. And uh, you know, I would find a few other plays maybe before that one, but the, I just found Stewart's uh, take on it uh, um, 
well, refreshingly different. Let's put it that way. From, <laughs> from the what's well, history said, but uh, he's played pro hockey. I mean, maybe he knows something we don't know, Bruce. So, you know, you, we can't we can't rule that out. So I'm not going to rule that out. But I I didn't like it. I thought it was, mm -hmm. you know, and I and I generally I understand what he's saying in a general sense. Like sometimes they're super aggressive play, but against such a non-essential player in a, in a right at the end of the first period. I don't know. The timing of it just seemed really off, and um, you know, I didn't like it. So, yeah. Well, Nurse bounced back with a goal and assist, a beautiful yep. goal, where uh, where his defensive play led to uh, him joining the rush and slamming it home. That was a that was a big turning point. He was involved sure on both is. ends of that play, and a nice, uh, uh, cool play under pressure on the empty netter to uh, yeah. control the puck and chip it up ahead so that was a uh, uh i thought a pretty good night for him overall played 26 minutes with uh six shot attempts two hits two giveaways four block shots but you know he was uh very involved in this game and he had some good moments and a couple of high profile uh not so good moments and but that's darnell's game and it's always been his game like if you're waiting for someone to go out there and play the chris pronger perfect game where it's just nothing bad happens. Uh, that's not him. Uh, but uh, he's a proactive player and he makes stuff happen. I, I docked him a full tonight. I docked him a full grade for the penalty, but then I mm -hmm. gave it right back on the goal. I mean, and um, right. oh, yeah. I gave him a, and overall I gave him a seven. So I, I thought mm -hmm. he had a good game. <clears throat> All right, are we on our numbers here? Uh, uh, well, that was. Oh, yeah, that was your bad thing, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you go first with numbers. I I had one. Now I have to remember what it was. Okay, my number is eight. Evander Kane led the Edmonton Oilers with eight hits. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if one of the one of this one of these was a hit or not, if they counted this. But this is what I think was the actual turning point in the game. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, it's on the power play. It's, um, let me just go here to our uh, our game grades. Bruce and I, of course, every year record uh, grade A shots on that, and we break down which players are involved in creating them for the owners and which players make mistakes. We do video review as the game's going on, and we have this running count every game if you're interested in that kind of thing, which we put up. Um, we put up the document with um, our game grades. So this is uh, the first power play goal. The, that goal is at 15.48 of the second period so early five minutes four minutes into the uh, second period and Kane um, is coming out of the corner and there's a puck battle and he gets his, his, his stick he kind of Shanghai what does he do a, you know what's the word um, clothesline clotheslines him yeah clotheslines him to the ground to the ice and it's a dirty play it's a dirty play it should have been a penalty but as an Oiler fan I mean I can't I can't help but love it um, because he got away with it and it really was a turning point. I mean, Hughes was down on the ice and the orders were passing it around and they put it in the net and that's the 3-1 goal. They were and, on the power play. Uh, Vancouver had a major beef there. Yeah, they really did. And it was a dirty play and I'm not going to, and, um, and, but it's the kind of thing Kane does. He's that kind of player that you, you'd like when he's on your team 
and hate when he's on the opposition team because he does those borderline or over the line plays. Sometimes gets away with them when the refs don't see them, and um, it can have a big impact on the game. He's a tough guy and a confident guy, and uh, that was a huge play in the game. So um, his other eight hits, I think he, I don't think that was probably a hit, but his other, I don't know if many were memorable, but he is hitting people. He's always physical. He's intimidating to the other team. He really is a huge addition to the Edmonton Oilers, and I don't think Ken Holland has gotten enough credit, actually, for bringing that player in. Um, it was a, could be well be a turning point in the franchise, Bruce. Um, they got deeper in the playoffs than they've been in a long time, um, partly because of Kane's acquisition. And um, he's coming up big here in the first game. So on a new four-year contract and uh, good game to start it all off. Yeah, I wasn't totally thrilled with Kane's game tonight. I thought he was a little bit clumsy out there, frankly. He took another, he did take a penalty for goalie interference with four minutes left. That was the one goal lead 200 feet from your net. You sure don't like to see that. Did uh, you think that was a penalty, though? I didn't, I thought that was really cheap. And I, I'm not complaining because marginal. I think it was, I think it, it was, was like payback in a way. So I'm not going to complain about it, but I didn't think it was a penalty because he was going for the net, going for the goal. I'll give you that, Bruce. He didn't look great the whole game. Like um, I thought he started slow, like the rest of the team, but he did get into it. I thought physically in that and uh, made that play. What is your number? Okay, well, I'm going to go with the number 25, which is the number of faceoffs taken by the Oilers' most active guy in the faceoff circle. Leon, wait a minute, not Leon. <laughs> Ryan Nugent Hopkins took 25 faceoffs in this game, and he won 13 and lost 12. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it is amazing that he was. I mean, they had uh, uh, they had Drysaddle and McDavid playing together for a chunk of time, uh, but and of course Nugent Hopkins as the number one penalty killer, uh, he took he would have taken a few faceoffs at the start of the uh, uh, penalty PK. kill. Yeah. Uh, Man, but he many. Was, yeah. On the night he was uh, seven of fourteen in the defensive zone. And three of six in the offensive zone. So, you know, just breaking even, sawing off. So not great on the face-off circle, but he didn't get crushed. And which is uh, um, what we've sometimes come to expect from this player. He's never been real solid in the, in the circle. And I'm wondering if this is just a one-off or if this is something where uh, Jay Woodcock's going to task him with doing more face-offs. And it'll be interesting to track to see if he's... Uh, if his numbers go way up in that department, because he's been a guy they've tried to shelter on the dot a little bit over the years. Well, he certainly wasn't sheltered tonight with uh, 14 D zone draws and 25 overall and holding his own. So uh, just a kind of a number that jumped off the page. I mean, if it was Leon that had done that, you'd say just another night at the office. Well, Leon was 10 and eight, and that's a lot of work on the, on the face off dot, but uh, uh, still uh, quite a number of face-offs fewer than uh, R&H, who was, uh, who was the uh, Oilers' uh, uh, heavy lifter in that uh, category in this game. He got his face-off percentage, Bruce. Um, so when he broke in as a rookie, he was at 37.5% mm -hmm. in his rookie season. And he, he gradually kind of worked it, it up, and he got it to 50.7% one year. Um, he didn't take nearly as many face-offs that year. That's 29-20. That's when he was right. on the dynamite line and wasn't taking as many face-offs. Earlier in the year, he had been a center, and then he moved to the wing with uh, Drive Settle and Yamamoto. Last year, um, 
last or 2021 he was at 45.6 and then last year he just cratered again to 40.7 so um he he got it up to 50.7 and then cratered so um we'll see that'd be fantastic if he can saw it off on the face off on the dot like it it really it just it's one more tool in his toolkit that you know could be effective he's got lots of tools in that toolkit and um He's a good player. He sure, he sure was. He was part of that great tabletop hockey goal in the power play, and and I thought he he and Hyman did a fairly uh, did a really good job on the PK. I thought as well. Five thirty one on the PK, which was the most of uh, any uh, Oilers um, forward. Only the uh, Nurse CC pairing. I think Hyman might have got a little bit. I think Hyman got a little bit more than him, Bruce. Five twenty for Hyman, five thirty-one for Nuge is what I'm reading here. But anyway, oh, you you got it. And he he was in the um, he was in the box for uh, for one of them too. So he was getting uh, getting lots of uh, lots of opportunity on the uh, uh, on the PK RNH, and that's you know his contributions to special teams are a big part of his value, and also his ability. Or at least their their willingness to rely on him to move up the lineup on nights like tonight, where they basically combine uh, Drysaddle and McDavid. Now all of a sudden he's on the second line, and when you're playing against a team you know that's uh, got high end you know top six, then you're counting on him to play some tough minutes. And uh, tonight he did, and uh, uh, <clears throat> didn't score, but you know. He, uh, he was involved in that power play goal as sort of the third assist, and uh, uh, he held his own in the, in uh, uh, in the game. And I thought he was uh, he he put in a good battle in this game. So yeah, he did. Well, good start to the season. Good start to the season. Um, back. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So next game Saturday night. Saturday night. Yeah, you're going to be doing... only against the Flames, home game against the Flames Ooh. all year. So, big game, big game, big game. It's like last year, they started off, they beat Vancouver in the first game, they beat Calgary in the second game, and they were off and running. So hopefully we can have a repeat of that. Oh, just one more thing on the face-offs, on the numbers. Uh, 71 face-offs in this game, which is a lot, uh, but 34 in Oilers zone and only 16 in Vancouver. So that the uh, territorial play... Uh, was strongly on Vancouver's side, and I think a little bit of that was Jack Campbell's uh, willingness to cover the puck and get the draw. Whereas Mike Smith, for instance, he would uh, he would never see such a high number of D zone faceoffs because he liked to keep the puck moving whenever he could. So, Schmitty, what a player! Mm-hmm. What a player! Uh, Bruce, I want to do a special shout out this, tonight to all the uh, cult of hockey fans who are overseas listening. It, it, it's fascinating, um, and often when people are on holidays, they're listening in. So we'll get uh, people from Australia living there on holidays or or in Europe, um, um, sending me like I'm on a train in Europe listening to the Cult of Hockey podcast. And it's, it's kind of thrilling, actually, yeah. that that people do that, and, and they they uh, that there's they, you know they want to find out the latest Oilers news wherever they are around the world. So we really appreciate you guys and girls uh, listening in to the podcast from all over. Um, and I want to uh, specifically, uh, five of my best friends are overseas right now. Um, Rock, Stewie, Dan, and Ian are in Israel right now on a holiday. And my friend uh, Phil is in Australia. So maybe I'm thinking maybe they're going to be listening to this podcast because they're all uh, big time Oilers fans. 
and uh, hope you guys are having fun wherever you are. Oh. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I forgot the sign off. It's been, it's been so. And in the meantime. <laughs> and in the meantime. And in between times. This has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. That's the old Ed Whalen line from Stampede Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Thanks again, Bruce.